Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Tom, we have got another great show today. We do. I know we do. It's, a, it's awesome. We have a Caroline in the house. That's right. You've got a daughter named Caroline. Oh, I love that so name. So it's one of your favorite names. Oh, it's great. It's a beautiful So we went name. out and we scoured the globe to find someone else named Caroline that we could have as a guest here. It didn't take long. It didn't take long. Because we found she, one of the best. That's right. She came to us and how, yes. how wonderful uh, it was for her to come and want to have a cup of coffee here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Great stuff. Her name is Caroline Brennan, and she works with the uh, Catholic Relief Services. Exactly. Right? And uh, so, Caroline, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Thank Catholic you. Cafe. It's great to be here. I love nothing more than having coffee and great conversation. It's perfect. All right. Well, we, you're, then you are going to have a great time with us uh, yeah. for the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so. So uh, now you're with CRS, and a lot of people yes. have heard Catholic Relief Services before. You know, yeah. Maybe you should tell us what you guys do on a global scale what what and you're associated with the usccb and that's right so we're essentially the overseas international humanitarian arm of the u.s conference of catholic bishops so where we have our sister agency catholic charities that responds to people in need here at home in the u.s we are the arm that responds to those in need overseas um around the world and we provide relief based on based on need and not necessarily on on creed or ethnicity or right and wonderful and so now you though specifically work in the emergency response area is that what is that what you do that's right so i'm part of our emergency response unit so if there's um a crisis happening in the world i'm usually on a plane heading to that area and my job is to interview people um and really since um, so many issues affect women so much. I find that my role really is most effective when I'm s- spending time with women in different parts of the world. Women speak a common language. In some parts of the world, it wouldn't be appropriate for women to have right. conversations with men. So. Well, women are welcome here in the luxurious Always. Country. It Always. makes Tom nervous because then he thinks he has to have manners and stuff. Exactly. He's eating his donuts. Exactly. He's a lot Eat with my mouth closed. And yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. It's good. Utensils. But we're, we're, don't like that stuff. We're, we're so happy to have you, Caroline. You. And I know... I know our listeners are well aware of the fact that there's just a lot going on in the world today. And it's really easy, I think, sometimes to uh, sort of sit in your parish, to sit in your pew in your parish, and kind of think, well, everything's kind of going all right in my neighborhood or in my world, and, and every once in a while I'll give a little donation to this or that. But really maybe sometimes not to even realize just really what's going on in some of the, the more, most remote parts of the world. And that's it's where you go pretty much on a daily basis, isn't it's it? It's incredible. I, I feel that way all the time. I feel like I am just at the end of a trail of generosity mm-hmm. or prayer or engagement in some way that starts in cafes and parishes and homes here, here at home. And I just happen to be so privileged to be able to see how it may manifest in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I'm able to uh, to witness, really, just the life-changing impact. For example, um, in some parts of the world, $10 can provide food for a family of five for two weeks. Mm. And when you think of that impact and what you know children might save at a certain time of year, like maybe during Lent, um, all those coins, the, the difference that can make when you are literally hungry at night or can't bear the aches of that hunger, the headaches or the pains, um, the change of that, of a $10 bill or coins of any shape and form, it goes such a long way. And that's just 
at, at a small scale. There's so mm-hmm. much happening, big, small, in different ways. So it's what amazing. are some of the, the, the parts of the world? Where have you been, and what are some of the things that you've experienced? I know um, right now in the news is a lot about Iraq, right? What's going on there in the, in the Middle East, especially, but in Iraq, and especially in the northern hills of Iraq and those kind of places. What's going on there? And in so fact, I think you're on your way there. I will be on a plane in 24 hours from now, uh, wow. actually. So by the um, time people hear this, she'll be in Iraq. So we should pray I for you. Absolutely. Caroline, we will. We certainly will. I really need it. Um, what's going on there? We've all seen some news stories. And how do we make heads or tails of what's going on? And, and what is it that you're going to do when you get there? Well, it's what's happening is frightening because essentially you have people who are living their lives innocently, not causing anyone any harm, who are now being targeted for the way they were living their lives and the faith that they believed. And they There is a a militant group, essentially, that wants to create its own state that believes in a very narrow, extreme version of um, uh, Islamic faith. Right, we've heard of ISIS, I think is the name that they call it. exactly. And so they're claiming various parts of Iraq and also Syria. And and they are doing this in very violent ways. And they're basically Mm -hmm. issuing decrees saying, for those who don't believe our, our version of our faith, um, especially the minorities, including Christians, if you don't convert within a 24-hour or 48-hour time span, we will carry out attacks on you. And I so- know, and it's, it's mm. so tragic. And, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of times we tend to see this, especially when like, we're looking at history books, right? We'll, we'll see this from a, a political perspective or we'll see this from a land grab or something like that perspective. And we'll forget that there are innocent people in those lands that are being displaced, mm-hmm. that are being tortured or killed or run out or, or whatever, all their possessions being taken from them. Have, right. have, have, you, have you seen that, um, that, that there's, is there hope there? How do we? Yes, I mean, that's what's amazing. I, I always leave filled, you know, feeling much more hopeful um, whenever I'm in, in these kinds of contexts. And what's so incredible, I, for the past couple of years, I've mostly spent my time on the Syrian border where people are very, experiencing something very similar, being forced to run right. uh, and caught in a fight they never started. And what's incredible is how similar their lives were to ours just three years ago. I mean, they lived, they're middle class, they lived in nice homes, they had jobs, they had land, they were, they're, they're almost to the point of being boring, their lives. Hmm. And the, the issue that I so often see in one place to the next is not about what they lost or the violence that they've endured. It's this issue of identity. It's so deep. Like when people talk about what they have lost the most it is the the sense of who they are as mm-hmm. a human being um as an assyrian you know they were the country that would help other people in need in the region they were the stable country in the arab world and now they're the ones needing a helping hand and for the women as well you know they are forced to make major decisions for their family in a role they weren't necessarily playing before in these foreign countries and so that pressure and your Gender uh, and how that manifests in the family is a, a, just a source of, of conflict to identity as well, and just all of these elements. So, what are the kind of things that that you, the emergency response team there at, with CRS, what what are the kind of things that you encounter, and what are the things that you, I mean, what are you doing when you go there, when you show up? Uh, immediately, you have to start doing something. What is it that you do? Right. Usually, uh, usually I'm picked up at the airport by some of our colleagues who are typically from the country. So most of our colleagues will be from these areas. And um, my job really is to engage, to talk with people. So to sit in their tents, in their homes, and to get their stories. While my colleagues are are more of the technical experts, water sanitation engineers, or shelter experts. But essentially, the kind of relief is is really you're trying to address the whole needs of the person. 
And so it is not just finding someone a safe place to be. It is identifying what their full needs are, the trauma counseling that their child might need, Mm -hmm. the water that they might need to not only drink but also wash their clothes, hygiene care, you know, things that you and I have already used today, you know, blankets, something to sleep on, something to sleep under, something to cook with. All those basic things for day-to-day survival, but also just the elements that help make you feel who you are and, and to live with dignity despite the horrific Yeah, they don't have a backdrop. credit card and a Walmart, right? No. They can just no. run down to and take and, care of everything. Right. And if you even had money, let's say you were doing well in Syria and you ran and you had your, your bag of cash, that currency is worthless. So mm. it doesn't get you very far. So you, you can go from middle class to pauper really fast. and. Mm. And um, what's so heartbreaking is that you'll be having conversations with a woman in her tent, and you can see she is in between two worlds. You're sitting on the dirt. There's nothing around, and she wants to offer you something, but there's nothing to offer, and you literally see her reaching around her, almost like there's an imaginary tray, you know, with a teacup on it, but it's not there, and there's nothing to give you, and she, you know, you just get, keep having apologies made towards you. I'm sorry I can't offer you anything. This is not who we are as a people. We're very hospitable. And I'm constantly assuring people that it's okay. They don't need to apologize for, to, for not offering. But isn't it beautiful, elements. I guess, to see that in, in that where it's you might funny. think that we would all be, that the people would be feeling sorry for themselves and they would feel pitiful, whatever. And still they, the they still opposite. have that generosity they, and that self-identity of who they are. They're trying to maintain that. The dignity, and integrity, awesome. it is. You'll see, you know, a, a centerpiece, almost like you might have a din- on a dining room table, but on the dirt. And it's made not with anything but rocks, you know, sort of circling, stacked on top of each other up to one rock in the middle and maybe a piece of grass coming out. And just there in the middle of the room, just like anchoring, you know, we may be in this place. It may not be home, but it's home for now, and we will live with integrity. And you just see these signs of, of beauty and and grace in these really unimaginable conditions. And people rise rise above it. Mm-hmm. You know? We often don't get to see those images. I'm glad you're, you having seen them firsthand can share those with us because it helps us get a perspective of what's going on over there. We see so much... Uh, devastation. We see, you know, things like torture. We see, you know, people just homelessness and bad sanitation. We see all the evil, horrible things that are going on. We think negative thoughts, and and yet you go there even in the midst of all this, and you might think that that should make you feel even worse, and yet you you feel that sense of hope, don't you, in the process of bringing relief to these people? It is so reassuring. I mean, you really see what we as human beings are capable of. I mean, they. They people will say, you know, I'll talk to uh, a woman who might be carrying heavy items on her on her head, maybe a jug of water or something, and I and I, I will say, I don't think I could ever do that. You know, I, I'm not that strong, and she will say, I'm not that strong. My I get neck aches. <laughs> I have arthritis. Like I wasn't built to carry this, but I have to carry this, and I am carrying it, and it really helps to ease the burden when we have people who can help us, you know, shoulder this these pressures on us and you you just see this beauty and and for people to have conversation um for you to ask their name it means so much just for them to know you've asked their name and um people will give you anything they have i've been given a flower the only flower plucked out of a a garden outside you know a tent again you know areas where it's just desert and people will take the only source of color and beauty and give it to you and say please take this you came here you spoke with me 
you you ask me my name this is who i am this mm. is who we are as a people and that can only give you hope i mean if, if people in living through this can have hope how can i not have hope that's beautiful that's beautiful we have more to talk with uh, caroline brennan about mm-hmm. uh, when we come back before we do that i want to remind folks at home we have a great website www.thecatholiccafe.com also i would love to hear from you send me an email to deacon jeff at thecatholiccafe.com and with that we'll be right back And this is another great moment in church history. Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winforth's name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. St. Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe, where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany, where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how St. Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the God of St. Boniface, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true God. Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the church. He converted many to Catholicism, but at the same time made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, To us, this was a period of light, when the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us. The feast day of St. Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Bestrozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe talking to Caroline Brennan with uh, CRS, Catholic Relief Services, and all the great work uh, that they're uh, trying to do to kind of alleviate some of the 
the sadness in the world. And then the idea, Caroline, that you're there and you see all this hope and how beautiful that is. Now, I know you we just were talking about Iraq, but I know that uh, that you've been active and uh, seeing what's going on in the like the Central African Republic. There's a lot going on there. People might not even have heard of no, and realize what's going on there. Right. Or people might not even be aware where this country is. Well, can you um, imagine an entire country with with so many people? And they're like forgotten, lost. They, People don't even know they exist. It is so isolated, right? And they so this country is right in the heart of the continent. If you were to look at a map of Africa, and it's surrounded by Congo, Sudan, Chad. Um, so uh, neighbors that might steal the limelight if there's ever coverage from this part of the world. But people know how isolated they are. So this is a country where right now there's been civil strife between these two armed gangs who are basically fighting for p- control, political power. And caught in the middle, like in so many crises, are the regular average Joe, just the innocent people who are literally in the middle of the firing line. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially, these fighters who are so young, I mean, they are like teenagers, so mm-hmm. many of them. Um, with weapons and time on their hands, and it, it is essentially turned into this type of pillaging. It's, that's no good for my kids, no. right? <laughs> when, that, you know, right. when they have time on their hands and they they have stuff at their disposal, and they can get into a lot of trouble. I can't imagine that kind of situation and, where you're talking about shooting, uh, you know, rifles right. and whatnot. Exactly, and um, exactly, and um, you know, there are machetes as well, and all this, you know, just sort of bad, bad, bad things. Um, so many people have been forced to flee their villages, and these are people of diverse faiths, so Christians, Muslims, animists, you know, different type of tribal religions, uh, who have been just forced to flee because it's not safe to be at home. And so many of them now, when you, if you were to go to the capital, Bengi, or to these rural areas, Bosangoa, these um, rural towns, you would see at the Catholic churches there just what look like refugee camps. People mm. of all faiths have just descended on the Catholic compound, feeling that it's their one place where they will be protected. And so the, our, the priests there and the local archbishops uh, and diocesan you know, leaders are having to respond as you know, managing these huge operations to provide relief to thousands of people who are living on their grounds and, it's, and can't go home. Well, we, mm. we've always had this image or this vision of the church as this place for people to find hope, to find healing, to find salvation. And when we're sitting in the comfort of our homes and we experience our local parish, we're thinking about like going to see Father because we've got uh, some sins that we need to, right? We need he- we need healing in a spiritual way. And there, not only do they receive that, but, but in a wider sense, they see this sense of the church being a place for their salvation. They see safety. They're seeking physical safety there uh, on the compound of the church. And so it, it becomes this beacon of hope for these people. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how important that is for people it's, to visualize and realize the church is really that place for hope. It's incredible. I mean, when you just see the the the, um, the, the model that it brings to so many communities and that um, not only are people seeing the church structure as a place of refuge, but they're feeling it, you know, from the priests and the people who are working on the church grounds who love them, who embrace them, who comfort them, who do not judge them, and who say, you know, I will let you in and stay here until it is safe for you to go home. And it's, it's and really not just the Catholics, thing to say. right? Not, not just, just the Catholics. The, many, mostly the Muslims, Muslims right? are seeking refuge in these compounds mm-hmm. as well, which is incredible. That's, you you that's, wouldn't imagine that. And, you know, it's scary, and at the same time, it's awesome to see the Holy Spirit at work, to see the, the church being that beacon of hope 
for mm-hmm. so many people. And I guess we forget that sometimes when, again, when we're in our comfort zone, we right. don't really realize that people are really literally running for, for their lives. Right. And what that must mean in the long term. So even for children um, of diverse faiths who may not be Christian, who are receiving or Catholic, who are receiving help. What that will mean to them when they are adults later, when they think back to this dark time in their life and somebody cared for them, somebody gave them a place to sleep, somebody gave them food and, again, showed them love. And that seed is planted in terms of what that must mean. And in Jordan recently, I was talking with these Syrian children, refugee children from Syria who are receiving education programs at the local church in Jordan. And one of the little girls, who was about seven, she was Sunni Muslim, she actually thought the word Catholic meant help because Mm. of her association Mm. with where she was and what she was receiving. And I just thought that is... That is that's beautiful. beautiful. What that says for for the long term and shaping who they are. Mm -hmm. Well, you not only... uh, uh, CRS and your emergency response group, you not only work with things that are, you know, political turmoil or, or religious and spiritual uh, uh, people f- uh, fleeing different uh, right. s- regimes and whatnot, but also there, there are natural disasters that will strike uh, yes. somewhere, uh, you know, earthquakes, tsunamis. Um, and I know that, like in the Philippines, you guys were there and did a lot of great stuff there. That's right. Um, just after we, many of us saw uh, last November what was happening on TV when a, a, a typhoon struck um the philippines and it was such a a game changer of a storm because that uh, the philippines is struck by by cyclical water storm where given where they are you know on our planet um but this was truly um a, you know just a, a powerful powerful storm and given the multi-dynamics of the wind and the water and so yes thanks to the outpouring of generosity here in the u.s by so many parishes and schools and high school students and elementary school students and just diocesan outreach, we were able to respond immediately um, to provide relief of all kinds. So in those immediate days and weeks, you have just your basic needs, shelter, tarps, food, pills for clean water, you know, just anything to get by. And now we're almost a year into this recovery effort, which will probably be five years in its full length. Right. Um, and now we were really in the rebuilding stage, rebuilding homes, water systems, helping people get back to work where they can earn an income in long-term stable ways. And it's moving along just really beautifully. Um, the Filipino people are so joyful. If you know you have not met many Filipinos in your lifetime, um, it, it is so astounding just the, the joy that exudes from from their communities mm-hmm. and especially in the country it's really and again this wonderful. is an, out, an outreach of our church and a lot of people need to help they need help in understanding just the idea and the vision of the church literally physically helping not only spiritually but to, to physically help people in need you tell a, a, there's a great story of a of a man who you know clinging to his roof at night tell that right. tell that he was, to our listeners. so in the, in the in those first weeks everybody wanted to tell you what happened to them the night of the storm and a minute by minute account hmm. and there's this one man who i was speaking with who was literally part of a project where he was cleaning up the neighborhood so he's with a shovel and he's picking up the pieces but he's talking so it's a therapeutic process and as um, he's cleaning as he's cleaning oh, it's neat. a cash for work uh employment just to clean these areas but it was really for people not only income but Again, therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So he's walking through story, and he said, you know, I lived on the coastal area, so my, my house was just washed away. The waters came up, and he said all night he was in the waters, you know, just up to his neck, just clinging on to what he thought was a piece of his roof, you know, all night just waiting to float back 
to the shore and for the sun to come up. And when it finally came up um, and he could see uh, what was around him and what he was holding on to, he realized what, that what he was embracing all night was the cross from the roof of his church. Wow. And he had no idea that that's what he was literally just holding on to. Now, that's life. not a, an image that's or a right. symbol that we need to grasp onto and realize right. that, that we need to be that cross. We need to be for You're those right. people. You know, our church as a church, and, and, and people have to know that church doesn't mean like a building or structure. In that man's sense, he, he might have experienced church in that physicality of a structure right. of a cross, but we need to see that in our outreach, that's something for that man to cling on to. Mm-hmm. Exactly, that presence. And I feel that way all the time. Like, I, I feel that, you know, all that people do here, you know, the prayers and any kind of activity, any way that people can express their support or solidarity or their love. Um, it is felt. It is like that that presence that is um, you feel in these places where there is hardship, and mm-hmm. people are so grateful. It means so much um, when you are in your hour of need to know that somebody is thinking of you. They are praying for you. Um, they will help you in some way. It just it means the world to people. To Caroline, you've you've inspired. I know that listeners are probably going. This is this is great, and I'm, maybe I, I thought some of this, but I didn't really realize just how important it was for us to be church if someone's listening and they're trying to think well what can i do you know i live in poughkeepsie or i live in uh, florida or i live in texas or what you know what is it that i can do how can i find out more about you know caroline and what she's doing and what crs is doing where do i go from here it is there are so many easy ways um one is i would just encourage staying informed you know on our on our website we have stories we have photos we have updates the website is www.crs.org crs.org and there you can find not only pictures stories you can find materials to to talk with your children about a difficult issue you can find materials if you're a teacher to talk about certain issues maybe during times of lent there are all these different um, tools and resources and just information and ways of connecting even identifying with people which is really understanding and witnessing their story Mm -hmm. and on the website crs.org you can find a variety of opportunities to engage further be it signing on to letters to send to your government or in participating in an event at your school or locally so there are all Mm -hmm. these opportunities available well caroline thank you so much for spending time with us and i know we need to pray for you because you're on your way to iraq uh you know and we want to make sure that you're safe but also that you're empowered by the holy spirit by god just to kind of be that church to those people who are going to need it and i know you're going to need it as well so we'll pray for you and pray for all those people that you're going to minister to here in the short term in iraq and we always need to remember that people all over the world are in need are in uh, desperate need some of them Uh, and it's also good to remember that as a as a church we we all have one mother and that's the blessed mother and i think maybe uh as you prepare for your journey Mm -hmm. right to iraq and as we think about how we can uh, help in the process. I think that maybe we can ask the Blessed Mother and that maybe she would uh, sort of look over us, throw her mantle around us and give us some hope and some comfort Good uh, idea. as we uh, as we go forward. So let's, uh, let's offer a prayer to Mary. Right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full Lord of grace, grace the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>